Hello and welcome to South Asia Chat, a podcast brought to you by the Institute of South Asian Studies at the National University of Singapore. I'm your host, Ramita Ayer, a research analyst at the Institute. In this episode, we're looking at renewable energy in India. A report released earlier this year noted record levels of investment in India's renewable energy sector, with a total of $14.5 billion invested in the 2021-2022 financial year. Now, this is up by 125% compared with uh, financial year 2020-2021 and 72% higher than the pre-pandemic levels of uh, the 2019-2020 financial year. Uh, at ISAS, issues of energy and sustainability are at the core of the research work that we undertake. And I'm pleased to be joined by Ms. Disha Garwal, Senior Program Lead at the Council on Energy, Environment and Water, based in New Delhi, to discuss the state of renewables and the future of this sector in India. Disha, welcome to South Asia Chat. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. So let's start off by contextualizing our discussion. How much of India's energy is renewable and what is the country's total potential in this area? As we all know, India is the third largest energy consuming country in the world. And today, India's installed renewable energy capacity stands at more than 118 gigawatts. This is, of course, excluding large hydro. This 118 gigawatt is around 29% of the country's total capacity which when we include large hydro becomes more than 40%. The installed renewable energy capacity has increased massively over the last five years and 60 gigawatts in September 2017, five years ago, it's today we are standing here more than 115 gigawatts. It's almost doubled in the last five years. And the solar energy capacity has increased massively by almost four times in these five years. And today stands close to 61 gigawatts. When it comes to primary energy demand, renewables formed about 3 to 4% of the total basket in the year 2020. And today, over 80% of India's total energy needs are met by coal, oil, and solid biomass. This is because uh, coal has underscored the expansion of electricity generation, uh, industry, and remains the single largest fuel in our energy mix. Oil consumption and oil imports have grown rapidly on account of increasing ownership of vehicles and road transportation. Biomass, of course, primarily fuel wood, although it makes up for a declining share uh, in our energy mix, it is still widely used as a cooking fuel. However, as we move forward, renewables present a huge opportunity for decarbonizing India's energy sector. And I would like to consider these opportunities as the potential that must be tapped to decarbonize and transform India's economy. Based on estimates of a study conducted by the Council on Energy, Environment and Water, the solar-based electricity generation capacity must increase to 1,689 gigawatts by 2050, which will increase to more than 5,000 gigawatts by 2070. Similarly, wind-based electricity generation capacity must increase to 557 gigawatts by 2050, which then goes up to almost 1800 gigawatts by 2070. And similar increases we do see in the transportation sector where we talk about biofuel blend for oil in cars, trucks, and even in the aviation sector. Similar increases in the share of electric cars in new sales uh, by 2070 to be reaching 
as high as 84%, which will increasingly powered by green energy. So this is the kind of massive opportunity that lies in front of us. And I would consider these to be, you know, unlimited potential that needs to be harnessed. Right. So what are the key drivers of growth in the in renewable sector? And can you also tell us about the role of the different stakeholders like the Indian government, uh, private Indian companies, as well as the foreign investors that are involved in the sector? Sure. So India's pledge at the COP26 was quite notable. Prime Minister Modi surprised the world by making an ambitious pledge for climate action, including declaring a net zero target. This target includes, of course, that India will bring its non-fossil energy capacity to 500 gigawatts by 2030. It will bring its economy's carbon intensity down to 45% by 2030. 50% of India's power generation capacity will be met through renewable energy by 2030. And of course, India goes on to achieve net zero emissions target by 2070. Now, these commitments highlight the government of India's leadership and commitment to climate action. And renewable energy is the central pillar of its decarbonization action. For advancing renewable energy goals, the government of India or the union government sets policy direction through various instruments, such as the National Electricity Policy, the National Tariff Policy, and the National Electricity Plan. India's Ministry of Power also sets renewable purchase obligation that drives how much RE would be there in the total consumption basket in the country. Next, we have uh, the regulatory ecosystem, where, of course, there is a central regulator and we have state regulatory commissions that are regulatory bodies, and have jurisdiction and function with respect to promoting generation of electricity from renewable sources of energy, determining tariffs from different projects, resolving disputes, if any, in the process. And these regulatory bodies also enforce the renewable purchase obligation, which means that the procuring entities, the obligated entities, actually meet their obligations through buying renewable energy. They also determine tariffs for renewable energy projects when required. And they also approve tariffs of all the projects that are today competitively bid out for procurement of renewable energy power. Now, private Indian companies are involved in generation, transmission, distribution, power trading, and of course, setting up of power trading platforms such as exchanges. Other than generation, all the other activities that I mentioned, those are licensed activities. So appropriate licenses must be obtained from the regulatory commissions. And of course, system operations, which forms a big part of our power system. The system operations are run by independent bodies, which are called system operators, the load dispatchers that are responsible for secure and reliable operation of our grid, which increasingly will become more and more renewables heavy. Now the RE sector, as opposed to the conventional energy sector is majorly private sector-led. Almost all generation capacity today is owned by the private sector. And private sector also holds strong prospects in the transmission sector with cost reductions and competitive bidding coming into place. When it comes to investments, we know that 100% foreign direct investment is allowed in the power sector, of course, except for nuclear power. 
and there is no restriction on any foreign investor owning and setting up operations in India. And investment through debt is regulated by lending norms formed and revised by the Reserve Bank of India from time to time. And debt investments is occurred through green bond, bonds, both rupee and dollar denominated bonds. And as you mentioned in the beginning, the foreign direct investments in renewable sector have risen massively over the year 2020-21. Recently, uh, we saw some estimates coming up for 21-22, which we saw that around 1.6 billion US dollars being invested as FDI in the sector. The Parliamentary Standing Committee on Energy has noted that the RE sector needs an annual investment of 1.5 to 2 trillion dollar rupees till 2030 to meet our targets. In a recent report, the Council on Energy, Environment and Water estimated that achieving India's stated 2070 net zero target would entail an investment of US dollars 10.1 trillion in 2020 prices. While a large part of the investment requirement could be mobilized through conventional sources, a significant investment gap of 3.5 trillion US dollars would remain. Concessional investment support totaling 1.4 trillion US dollars, equating to an average of 28 billion US dollars per year for the next 50 years, is necessary to bridge the financing gap. Hence, the role of foreign investment becomes even more critical in lowering the cost of finance for investment in RE, since higher foreign investment in RE corresponds with a lower lowering of project debt finance in RE. Foreign investors can tap low-cost debt from the international bond market in order to achieve climate outcomes consistent with the Paris Agreement goals, both the scale of climate finance flows and the share of concessional finance must increase. And accelerating investments across RE sectors and end-use applications requires interventions that will reduce risk perceptions and improve the bankability of these investment opportunities, particularly those relating to distributed energy generation. Focusing a bit more on climate action, which you mentioned, how do you see the adopting of renewable energy in helping reduce the country's total carbon emission and also in addressing some serious concerns such as those related to climate change? As you know, India is the third largest emitter of carbon dioxide globally. Electricity and heat are responsible for almost half of India's annual emissions. With a growing economy and increasing energy requirement, relying on coal-based thermal power will become increasingly infeasible. Renewable energy coupled with sustainable production of renewable technologies will help provide clean power to replace coal-based power. Further, the coal supply chain, extraction, processing, transport also has significant carbon footprint. Natural gas, while cleaner, has similar impacts. By adding more solar, wind, nuclear power to our generation mix, we can eliminate these sources of emissions and the associated environmental impacts of land degradation, water contamination, loss of biodiversity, among others. The effects of climate change can be felt across India in form of heat waves, erratic and heavy rainfall, water stress, landslides, and floods. Again, according to a CEW report in 2021, India is estimated to have suffered losses of almost $80 billion due to extreme climate events over the last two decades. 
Adopting renewable energy can be one of the first steps in adapting to climate change, in building resilient systems for the future. Renewable energy systems combined with storage can provide reliable source of energy for communities without continuous power supply from the grid. This can also be useful in times of crisis as these systems can operate on a standalone basis without the requirement for grid connectivity. Further, reduction of emissions from the energy sector will have compounding benefits with respect to public health and climate change. And of course, large-scale renewables in the grid will reduce the emissions intensity and bring down the emissions from the power sector, which constitutes the largest share in emissions today. So one of the flagship initiatives of the present government has been the Smart Cities mission, which was launched in 2015 to increase uh, solar power generation capacity in urban areas. Uh, what is the status of the program now? And can the benefits generated by the mission also be uh, translated to uh, rural areas and the rural economy? The Smart Cities mission of India recognizes the increasing urbanization trend in the country and the requirement for sustainable and efficient cities that are well-designed and well-managed, improved quality of life, and are ready for future. The interventions in the cities range from clean water, clean air, efficient waste management, intelligent traffic systems, affordable housing, resilient infrastructure, safety of citizens, reliable and clean energy supply, and sufficient spaces for environmental and biodiversity protection. Now, under these missions, Tenders have been issued for more than 6,000 projects across cities. These projects are worth close to 1,900 billion rupees. Of these, almost 47% of projects, which are little over 500 billion rupees, have been completed, according to stock take reports. Delhi and Nagaland, which are two cities, Delhi, of course, being the capital region in the country, in both these cities, these have cities have completed 70% of their projects, with seven states finishing about 50 to 60% of their projects. In Rajasthan, in Gujarat, Karnataka, Madhya Pradesh, Goa, Tripura, and Andhra Pradesh. Now, smart cities can use renewable energy to power their clean and resilient energy systems. Due to their distributed nature, each smart city can look at developing their own renewable energy microgrid with a combination of solar, wind, bioenergy, storage systems, according to the resource availability in that city. This can help provide reliable power supply to the citizens while ensuring energy security, resilience, and sustainable development of the cities. And a clean and reliable system can be a service to the smart cities that can help develop further services for the citizens. Keeping this in mind, I think recently also, the government has taken an initiative to identify at least one smart city in each state union territory, and we see um, action happening on that side. Now, when it comes to the rural economy, I think there is a need to think beyond just energy provision and focus on the people, the end users, when it comes to maximizing the use of RE to transform rural economy. Now, this includes scaling of the end users, financing of the equipments, market linkages for the products that are produced by rural businesses, 
all of these activities need a convergence across multiple actors in the energy and livelihoods domain. So at CEW, we are helping facilitate this through our Powering Livelihoods program, wherein we mainstream clean energy-based livelihood solutions by providing capital, technical, and sectoral growth support to several productive use enterprises. We also found out that India has a market potential of more than 50 billion US dollars to use decentralized renewable energy for productive enterprises in rural areas, such as coal storage, looms, rice mills, sewing machines, and many others. The moment we expand the horizon from just decentralized renewables to productive use of decentralized renewable energy, we unlock many more jobs. We unlock many more livelihoods. For example, each solar coal storage could augment incomes for 50 to 100 farmers. Each agro-processing unit could help a group of farmers or in India we call farmer-producer organizations. We see a huge potential for jobs and livelihoods in agri-applications such as solar pumps, coal storage, and post-harvesting processing. Additionally, there is significant potential in textile value chains, in small shops, especially small refrigerators, including value chains like dairy and fisheries. New business models and pilots can bring energy transition closer to communities, both in cities and in rural areas. For example, at CEW, we've evaluated the techno-economic feasibility of agricultural solar microgrids, role of solar urban microgrids with battery storage. In India, there are multiple examples coming up. Uh, in Bangalore, the distribution utility is combining rooftop solar with electric vehicle chargers to ensure 100% free mobility. We also see that organic kitchen waste is being converted to compressed biogas for transportation and agriculture residues are being converted into pellets for reducing coal combustion in thermal power plants and industrial boilers. Now, all of these applications and end uses have tremendous job potential. And as per a CEW report, 20 gigawatts of microgrid projects could generate around 110,000 skilled and unskilled jobs. And every four gigawatt of new rooftop solar could create 50,000 jobs. These systems can provide local, reliable, and affordable clean energy to consumers and offset emissions even across supply chains. Well, thanks for that, Disha. You have highlighted uh, several important aspects related to renewables in India, be it uh, the potential of the industry, the various actors involved, the benefits that it can bring, as well as the range of work that you're undertaking at uh, CEEW. So I'd like to close our conversation today by hearing from you on the potential challenges that you foresee in India's transition to a global green power. I think there are certain challenges when India thinks of developing the massive infrastructure that is required for renewable energy. And when we think about expanding our infrastructure, our generation capacity, the challenge that comes forward uh, is, of course, of land. So land availability and procurement continues to be bottlenecks when different states in India, which are rich in renewable energy resources, they think of expanding their deployment. The Ministry of New and Renewable Energy, they came up with a solar park scheme under which the target was to build 50 solar parks with 40,000 megawatts of capacity by 2022. Now we've seen 
a little over 8000 megawatts of capacity been commissioned up to march 2021 and land problem becomes more pronounced uh, with wind sector where wind resources are more concentrated land is also required uh, for construction of power plants and for construction of transmission networks which of course requires developers to operate or to obtain right of way permission from different land owners now these projects are in far flung locations and land acquisition is a challenge across industries and sectors in india not just for renewables now there is no uh, sector specific solutions to the land problem but states have uh, gone ahead uh, under their renewable energy policies they have tried to look at creation of land banks from which they could allocate land to industries they have also come up and given certain exemptions on land taxes and also some of the richest renewable energy states in the country they have taken steps to develop massive solar parks or renewable energy parks one of which under construction of massive 30 gigawatt park in the state of gujarat now state governments need to support land acquisition processes while ensuring fair rehabilitation and compensation to the people residing in the vicinity of these projects the social and environmental impact assessment processes need to be stringent so that we don't jeopardize our plans and targets for achieving renewable energy capacities the cost of land acquisition must be factored in project costs and disputes to land acquisition which are growing they must be solved to ensure that the social cultural and environmental aspects of the lives of the people are weighed against the benefits sought to be achieved from these are projects so at cw we are working at an initiative called responsible and inclusive are development where we are looking at some of these aspects from the very ground level by talking to communities and seeing what kind of comprehensive frameworks can be developed which enhance community involvement and make the entire deployment process more planned and friendly a lot of forward thinking would be required from the regulators so as we move to a system which is more and more dominated by renewables regulatory ecosystem needs to be strengthened a lot of infrastructure that will be required needs to be assessed in a forward looking manner with proactive planning regulatory processes need to be followed to approve the costs of infrastructure these processes need to be again forward looking and planning needs to be done for short medium and long term so that appropriate capital expenditure is provisioned the strength in the regulatory bodies needs to be improved the markets as more and more market based purchases of renewable energy happens market development market design has to be very robust liquidity in the markets needs to be enhanced and the market monitoring capacities in the regulatory bodies again needs to be more strong and last but not the least as we again move towards a high ri scenario grid integration is again not just in india but world over set to be a challenge that all countries are confronting So there are a host of strategies or uh, best practices that countries can learn from each other india has also set an example when it comes to lowering of costs and proactive planning to reduce costs of generation also you know moving forward towards 
building the energy storage capacity through centralized tenders, coming up with energy storage obligation to ease grid integration and in future avoid curtailment of renewable power, and also using markets again in future to ensure seamless exchange and trade of renewable power between different regions and states in the country. So all in all, I think renewable energy is the central pillar of India's decarbonization strategy. It will remain the central pillar. And I think India is all set and poised to become a renewable energy powerhouse by 2030. Thanks so much, Disha, for being on the podcast. You were listening to South Asia Chat. To learn more about our work, visit us at isas.nus.edu.sg. You can also get updates on our publications, podcasts and events through social media. We're on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram.